Welcome to the May Contain Wine Podcast, brought to you by Wine, Women, and Wellbeing. I'm your host, Lisa Webb, and together we're going to get to know incredible women doing all kinds of interesting things. So grab a glass and get ready to be inspired by the amazing women in our global community. Hello, my friends. I am here today with Shannon Christensen. She was born and raised in Kelowna, BC, where she now lives with her husband of 16 years and their two boys. Shannon has a BA in psychology and a master's of counseling psychology, specializing in forensics. She has a passion for working with marginalized population and used this drive drive to start Mamas for Mamas. This grassroots project has since become a national nonprofit organization dedicated to reducing the negative impact of poverty on low-income mothers and their families. Shannon has been recognized as a top 40 under 40 recipient, a woman to watch, and was a top three finalist for Woman of the Year through the City of Kelowna Civic and Community Awards. Most recently, she was has co-authored a best-selling book about motherhood and has brought home the Meritorious Service Medal for the Governor General of Canada for her work with Mamas for Mamas. Shannon really likes pickles and making the world a better place. Shannon, I love pickles too. So I am so <laughs> glad you're here and we have something in common. Like what a great jumping off place. Put those all over the charcuterie board. <laughs> oh, all kinds of pickles all the time, except sweet pickles. Cause I don't know who, who anyone is playing with. They just sweet pickles aren't a thing. Dill pickles. Thing. All the no, way. All the way. It's gotta be. Oh, I love it. Thanks for being here with me today, Shannon. It is so nice to meet you. We were saying that we have a lot of like one degree of separation between us. So it's nice to meet you in real life. Yes. So nice to meet you. And thanks for having me. Okay. So let's jump in. Let's jump into the deep end and tell everyone what Mamas for Mamas is. Because if people are in Canada, I I feel like they know the name now. But if you're listening to us from somewhere else and they don't know what we're talking about, tell them what it is. Yes. Okay. Well, Mamas for Mamas is a specialized poverty relief agency that is based here in Kelowna, but is all over the country. Um, And we do it in a really interesting grassroots way where we don't start uh, an organization with a full office space and a full staff. You know, we, we go into each community and we figure out what the needs are. Uh, through experiential needs assessments, you know, through these online platforms where we have mamas reaching out and supporting each other, this peer-to-peer connection provides the majority of what these moms need for and with each other. But when there's a gap, Mamas for Mamas comes in and we provide access to resources. We do, you know, specialized resource navigation. So we don't just, you know, say, okay, you need food. Here's a basket. We say, let's figure out where the gap is in your system as a family. And let's fill a way or find a way to fill that long-term with a hand up, not just a handout. Yes. So it's yeah, so much more than a charity. It's a community that looks after each other with a charitable safety net. That, so how did you start? Like, what made you want to start this? We talked about your background, but like, how do you, you don't just fall into this. You don't just fall into a national organization. Like, how did this happen? It was the most beautiful accident in the whole world. I was finishing my master's. I had two little babies, you know, like six months old and three, and I was working full time. And I just had no connection to that motherhood community. You know, most of my friends were still 
uh, finishing their education or, you know, doing anything except having babies. <laughs> and I'm like, where is the village? Like, where, yeah. where am I supposed to go? And I just kind of chatted with my Nana quite a lot around that time. And she's like the matriarch of all humans, like just the coolest person on the planet. She, you know, was raised um, in a really difficult situation and, uh, you know, ended up going overseas and running the motherless babies home in Lagos, Nigeria. So she had this really strong um, value connected to her of giving back in some way, whatever it looked like. If you have people that need you, she says, you'll find them. So we talked about starting a little Facebook group because I didn't have a lot of time to go out in the community. It was just me and my babes. My husband worked out of town and I was at youth forensics five days a week treating violent sex offenders that were between the ages of 12 and 18. And I didn't have a lot of um, soul energy left at the end of those days to reach out and go to play dates, you know, so no I, doubt. <laughs> I, like, I was just like, ah, yeah, my God. Heavy stuff, heavy I have a glass of wine and eat some pickles, you know, but, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I just had this desire within me to find other women that were, they, they had to be experiencing this too. Like it couldn't have been just me. Um, my dad had passed away unexpectedly the day after I got married a few years before. And, uh, I was, I was blessed with an income from him, like an inheritance. And so I wasn't in financial poverty, but I was certainly in emotional poverty. I didn't Mm -hmm. have that um, group of people to tell me it was going to be okay. And that sleepless nights, you know, they're going to be temporary and, and all of that. And so I basically just started giving my things away for free in exchange for kindness. It was like, I just need a community where there's no money exchanging hands. I don't want to go in you know, Castanet or Kijiji or whatever, and haggle with another mom about these swaddle blankets that I need. If she's asking for the swaddle blankets, you know what I decided, I'm just going to start giving them to people. And I made a group where the only rule was kindness is our currency. You do not buy anything. You do not offer money. You offer kindness. You offer respect. You offer dignity and you offer whatever item it is that mom is looking for. So now Lisa, it's insane. We've got more than a million donations and trades going on every month by moms, two moms that are like cribs and change tables and, you know, furniture and things like that. But there's also just like, Hey, I'm done with my size two T clothes and I've got five bags of them. Well, that just saved another mom, you know, hundreds of dollars in getting items for their child's next season. And that allows them not to have to go into that further state of poverty and needing government support. You know, when you're helping each other out, and you're building longer tables instead of higher fences, you know, you don't end up having to go stand in line at uh, government-based agencies that ask you to pay for the support you need with your dignity. You know, we call BS on that. And so that's mamas in a nutshell. It's just mamas looking after mamas. And when that doesn't, you know, quite fill the need, you come to big mama and mamas for mamas. (laughs) Yes. Like, I mean, I love everything you just said. I have goosebumps and I, as someone who lives in Canada and, and not under a rock, I, I did know what Mamas for Mamas generally was, but not in, in that depth and how it started. And, and what a beautiful talk about grassroots, right? Yeah. Like it just came from your heart and now it is huge. And it's the, the best part of the whole thing was every teeny tiny success we had was so massive. You know, there was never the desire or the intention to build Mamas for Mamas into anything other than a really cool side project that I got to do on the weekends and the evenings that filled my cup and my soul as I was doing my sexual assault trauma counseling. You know, it was like a great um, kind of balancer. And then it moved out of my garage into a storage unit because things just got a little too big for the garage. 
And then it moved into a little office space that actually a low-income housing development gave us a little office space. It was about 200 square feet. And we operated out of there for about a year and a half. And it was amazing. I mean, that was a huge, massive, amazing milestone to reach. And we didn't have a charity number yet. You know, we were still fighting with the CRA for them to even look at us as a registered charity because they're like, well, no, you're helping too many people. You know, you can't help people in emotional poverty. I know, like, (laughs) oh, girl, you know. And Joanne was so amazing. I'll never forget this woman. I talked to her probably four times a week during the course of getting this done. It took three years to become a registered charity. And so as it was happening, I kind of thought, well, maybe this will turn into something a little bigger and we can provide tax receipts for people who want to help directly. And maybe it'll stay a Facebook group and I can just continue to, you know, fill that part of my cup and have the village I need and then continue, you know, to build it out from there. But one of the craziest things that happened in the last little while is we got so successful so quickly, I structured myself out of the village. (laughs) Is it? kind of ironic like is is ironic the right word there I don't know yeah like completely the most ironic situation uh, imaginable and actually you know a true testament to the mama's culture our team you know could help identify that I wasn't feeling authentic with it you know I didn't feel truly aligned with this CEO role that I had been put into the CEO of Mamas for Mamas Canada, like, wow, what a great title, you know, and what a huge amount of pressure to put on a, a mother of two children and a wife and, and a human being. And, and I, you know, I manage with major depression, you know, I, I deal with my life every day, all day with a different level of um, barriers um, than some. And I'm proud of that. I don't think that my depression um, is a barrier to my success at all. I think it is the catalyst to it. But I also believe that the amount of stigma and shame that I deal with when it comes to being a highly successful, you know, go getter that also some days can't get out of bed, you know, the dichotomy really kind of messes with people and it's hard for them to understand is, and I can get that it's hard for me to understand, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that we built this whole mission and this whole movement to be inclusive. And then the corporate structure that is so necessary in so many ways came in and basically kicked out the grassroots vibe and like, nope, you know what? You're, you're too big. Now you make over a million a year. Now you need a CEO. You know what, Lisa? No, we don't. Good for you. No, we don't. We need directors of finance and admin. We need directors of community. We need directors of operations. Yes. hundred percent. We need three of those to be the one CEO. Yeah. So we took away the CEO title like last you. week. Last week, I love ever it. Done. Like legit, it was like I was breaking. I'm like I can't do this anymore. I can't feel I'm on top of weary tower when I just want to live in the village, you know. So my board got it. They totally respected it. My team got it. They totally appreciated it. I think more than anything that I'm like, can we just work together? I don't want to make all the decisions by myself. This isn't how we've started. This isn't how we've grown. And this sure as hell isn't how I want to operate. And I feel so free oh, just I'm being so able glad to. glad for you. You know, so that's what Mamas for Mamas is. It's not about hierarchy. It's not about um, being better than in order to be good enough. It's being kind enough to belong. That's what's up. Oh, so good. And the fact that you want to be in it. Yeah. This speaks volumes about you and why you created it and that you're still the same person. Oh man. If I ever change, like take me out of the role, you know? And I think that happens, you know, a lot of founders who build things 
like this, um, you know, they stick with it for a really long time. And I plan on being here for my whole life, but probably not always in the same capacity. Mm -hmm. You know, I have so many dreams and so many visions and so many plans, but you know, I used to be able to be five people that I now need seven people to run those positions because we've grown so much, which is, it's a blessing, you know, can't be upset about juggling blessings, but you got to be conscious and aware of how it impacts you and how it is contributing to you, not just as an employer or an employee, but as a person. And I think COVID kind of got in the way of me seeing myself as, as a human. I saw myself as a, a healer and that I had to be there for everyone else. And I had to put aside anything I was dealing with personally, professionally, emotionally, because everyone else had it worse off, you know, mm. not, so, not reality. Here's my question the women, the moms who come to mamas for mamas, what brings them there? What's their biggest hurdle normally, or generally speaking? It's, it's so crazy. Like every situation is different as the mama, but I will say there are many patterns and many themes. Homelessness and housing is probably number one. Uh, There's a 0.2% vacancy rate here in Kelowna. And with the market, the way it is, um, we've had more mamas, um, you know, evicted from their homes because of sales and because people are, you know, they're downsizing and, you know, it's just a really difficult time for people to be renting. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, there was a 76% increase in domestic violence requests from our agency in the year from when COVID started until now, which, and it's still increasing. Say that number again. 76%, 76% increase. 76%. Yeah. In domestic violence. And it Horrific. is. And then, you know, that doesn't include child abuse. So we're dealing with a lot of MCFD issues where families have become so stressed and so strained and they are, they've reached their breaking point. And unfortunately, when you're at home all together all the time, your breaking point ends up being taken out on the kiddos or your mm-hmm. partner. And so when mamas come in, there are multiple levels of support we offer. The first one, of course, is the online group where you can get whatever you need. But when you really need like a comprehensive at-risk plan, you're going to come in and we're going to work with you on your Maslow's hierarchy of needs all the way from, you know, your basic necessities. Do you have housing? Are you safe? Do you have food to eat? Do your children have shoes? Do you have, you know, warm clothes or if it's winter or summertime, do you have sunscreen and things to protect yourself from the elements? Um, And then, you know, we start working on, do you have uh, things to go to work in? Do you have transportation? You know, how are you accessing the resources you need in your community? Do you have a computer to print out these forms that we're asking you to print out? You know, so we're not just going to go here. There's five different resources you can access. We're going to do with you uh, what you are attempting to do in terms of a hand up, not a handout and getting yourself out of that situation, whether it's out of an unsafe home, we can help with that. Whether it's coming out of the women's shelter or, or the, or the men's shelter and finding a new place and getting all the furniture and the pots and pans, we can do that, mm-hmm. you know, but when it comes to situations of um, managing a court support issue, you know, MCFD, or you're trying to get a separation, we help with that as well. You know, we do everything here at Mamas that isn't already available in the community. And we know it's not available in the community because our primary step is reaching out to every agency that provides services to our demographic. We tap into what they do. We make sure we can access it. We help them with the forms, we do the follow-up with them. And then they have, you know, a multitude of resources from which to, um, lean support, and then they can move forward into the fullness of their lives without feeling like they're a charity case, because they're not. They're a member of a community who finally learned how to access the resources they're eligible for. So good. And tell us where, so you started in Kelowna. Yeah, we started in Kelowna. where can people access this now? 
So we're in 64 different communities across Canada and we operate. 64. I know. Like six. Holy crap. (laughs) I know it's insane. And it's coast to coast. Like we are, we're so damn blessed. Like we have um, branches out on Vancouver Island. So actually our friend, Aaron Puchette, who's a country singer, he's running our branch out on the island now. So it's Papa's can run them too. He just joined because we had a few volunteers out there and during COVID, it was just really, really tough. Um, because many of them are mamas who utilize the services as well as provide them. Mm-hmm. So we needed kind of a big papa to come in and, uh, you know, run things for us a little bit. And so we kind of have a big mama or a big papa in all of these 64 branches. And then we've got a national development coordinator that we work with, who I work with every day. We check in with all these branches. How are things going? What do you need? How do we continue supporting you and the families that you're working with? Um, and then basically like mamasformamas.org will bring you a map and show you all the different areas we've got all the way from like PEI to Vancouver Island some branches are massive and some are like 500 people but it doesn't matter how big the branches are it matters how big the hearts are of the mamas who are in the branches 500 people still pretty massive oh absolutely like Kelowna I remember when Kelowna got to 500 members and I was like okay the dream has been made like everything (laughs) It's as big as it's ever going to be. I was so proud and so excited that we had 500 moms who cared about each other enough to get together and figure out what can we do? How can I help you? Yeah. You know, it was massive. And then it was like, oh my God, we have 5,000 members. Like the whole world was like going to shut down about that. And now we've got, I think, 17,000 here in Kelowna. Wow. And about 25,000 in Vancouver. And then the other 70, so 75,000 in total mamas across Canada on these groups that donate and share and support and connect. And it's just unreal watching them, you know, come together for these mamas. One of them will post like, I'm having a baby next week and I don't have anything. And next thing you know, there's 300 comments on the thread and she's got literally everything she could have possibly needed for the baby and 10 new friends. Unbelievable. It's, it's unreal. Like it's beautiful. It's, not, it's beautiful is what it is. I totally agree. I oh. just, it makes my heart sing. And you know, it's funny because when my dad passed away, he was only 53, you know, and he was a lawyer and he had a really stressful career. And I remember him always telling me like, don't do what you think other people think you should do. Do what makes your heart smile like every day. And at his speech to me on my wedding night, he didn't talk about all those things I thought were so relevant and so important to him and people like him, the 4.0 GPA, the, this, the, that all, you know, he talked about my kindness And it was a quality that I didn't even realize um, was so deeply ingrained in my soul until it was his last words to me. And I just realized that happened for a reason. And I want to make damn sure that if those were his last thoughts about me, I was going to make sure they were something he could think about about me every day. Mm. That clearly you do heart-centered work. You do work that matters, which is what we need more of in the world. And maybe, maybe that's kindness. Maybe that's community. Do you think it, is there something else or is there one of those things more than the other? What is the magic ingredient that has made this explode that has made women feel that they can come and join and be a part of it. And that helps them is, is what's the secret sauce? Honestly, uh, and you just gave me goosebumps and I'm not sure why, but that means something always, um, in my philosophy and in the Adler philosophy of this school I trained, it's the sense of belonging is the strongest predictor of mental health. 
when you belong to something greater than yourself, anything can and you can deal with it. You've got people, you've got support. You know, it's about belonging to that community. And it's about, you know, engaging in a way that you can't help but feel really, really friggin' good after. <laughs> yeah. Like there's something about being part of a group that is determined to up, one up themselves with kindness. Like there's just nothing, there's nothing like it. And in a world where we are faced with so much competition, especially as women, mm-hmm. you know, we are always pitted up against each other. And Mamas for Mamas, I think is one of the first times we've been taught not just to not be pitted up against each other, but that, that that's wrong. And that collaboration is actually what makes us stronger, not competition. And by breaking each other down, we're only letting the patriarchy win. And I don't think any one of us want that. (laughs) Um, That movement, that movement of us finally linking arms, handing, like, help, let me help you and not fix it. I love, I love that you're doing that. You're not, you're not putting a bandaid on. No, fixing the problem, which is what needs to happen so badly. It's surgery, you know, and like at Mama's, um, we do take more time and we spend more energy and we spend more money on clients than other agencies um, because we can. It's not their fault. They can't help the fact that the government gives them this amount of money to give to people that fit only in this box. And so we have made it our mission beyond our mission to fundraise outside of government supports because then we can say yes to families who don't fit into that box. We've got a little boy from an indigenous community who's got all of his teeth rotted out and we're trying to go and get that funded by the government. And they're saying, well, because he's Métis and he doesn't have status, it's not covered under Jordan's law. So what, we're just supposed to say no to this child? We're supposed to say no to this mom? I absolutely not. I will not say no to this mom. I will find a way to fill the gap. And that's why we call it the fill the gap dental program because that little boy got his surgery. If he hadn't had those teeth removed, he would have had rot, which would have made his adult teeth come in um, unhealthy and it would have been a lifetime of issues for him. So because $5,000 was out of the scope of of one agency, well, we reached out to nine other agencies and with the 10 of us, we could do it. Mm -hmm. But it's having that social worker like Shalane who will spend the extra three hours on the phone and an email with those other nine agencies, making sure we can do a collaborative case plan so we can say yes, but that's not the norm, but it will be. It's incredible. You are, you really are the big mama. You're everybody's mama. (laughs) So like as, as, as a mom of two, there are times where I lose sleep at night. You are a mom of many with a heart, (laughs) A heart that fills the country, basically. (laughs) Like, what keeps you up at night? Because there's got to be, like, a lot on your shoulders. You know what? There are so many things that used to keep me up at night that I've decided uh, didn't deserve to live rent-free in my head. And one of them was not being good enough. I love that. Um, Say that again. Didn't deserve to be rent-free in my head. To live rent-free in my head. Yeah. It's just, like, it's, it's such... It's such bullshit what we do to ourselves as women, especially, you know, I'm a younger woman, I'm 34 years old, and I'm running an agency that is um, large and in charge. And sometimes I get imposter syndrome, and it's hard to shake. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's a really important thing to be able to acknowledge and recognize that very strong, powerful women don't always feel very strong and powerful. And they will often present as such because they have to, but it doesn't mean that they don't need 
that extra soft approach sometimes, you know, like I'm a, I, I come off 10 feet tall and bulletproof sometimes, but at the end of the day, I'm as soft as anyone. And, and it's hard. So that keeps me up because I have to have a certain level of masculine energy to maintain my, no, I used to think that I needed to have a certain level of masculine energy to maintain my respect. And I don't. And I've started to realize that being truly authentically me is good enough. In fact, it's what built this. And when I change who I am, I'm, I'm not being authentic to my girl mamas. Mm -hmm. And so more than anything, what keeps me up is, is making sure that I'm doing this right. Making sure that I am being independent enough and strong enough for my team while still being collaborative enough and connected enough to my, to my colleagues so that we aren't in a silo in, in, in this work. Um, you know, all I want in the world is to make this a better place. And sometimes I get fired up and I can be sassy and I can get really not with my team, but, but, a, you know, I'm protective mm-hmm. and I'm a big mama bear and, you know, more often than not, it works out really well in my favor. Um, but I just, what keeps me up more than anything is, is wanting to be that protective big mama bear while still being as soft as I feel, you know, being approachable, um, not being that 10 feet tall and bulletproof person that um, isn't walking the walk. That's the one thing that I keep working on and I keep meditating on and I keep working with is um, don't try and be like those big, you know, ballsy CEOs, because girl, you aren't one of them. And that's why you're here. And that's okay. And congratulations on recognizing that and owning it. Because you're also like you just said, in the last week, you said, you know what, this isn't working for me anymore, the way things are going, like, it, it takes a lot of work to recognize when you're when things aren't right. Totally. And you know, when it's your baby, um, it took me a while. Like it's been a few months I've been thinking about this, but I felt like a failure. I felt like, you know, saying, I don't want to do this all by myself anymore. I felt like I was like uh, being lazy, like, oh, you, I, you do this. I don't want to do that. And what I realized was that's what they were looking for. They were looking for me to say, hey, uh, I've got all this on my plate. I need to delegate this. I need to delegate this. I need to delegate this. What's wrong with delegation? I don't know when it came into my mind that asking for help was some sort of a, uh, you know, an indicator that I'm not good enough or that I'm a failure. The only time you're not good enough is when you don't recognize that you need help and you try and do it all yourself and you fall apart and you fail completely. And I don't know if you're like me because I had the exact same situation with wine, women, and well-being, and I was like, I don't, I don't want to put people out. I don't want to ask the girls to do this or that. And then all of a sudden. I found out the same thing. I found out that people wanted, like the girls in that run my branches wanted to be more involved and wanted to have more responsibility and feel like they were contributing. And when I finally asked for help, we just went, because I was like, oh shit, you're actually way better at that than I am. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So there's the piece that was the hardest for me because as the founder, I'm like, well, nobody can do it like I do. And you know what, Lisa, I was right. They can do it better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They can actually do it better. And there's some things I've realized that I've delegated like grant writing that I'm like, no, that's mine. I am a creative writer and I'm a damn good grant writer. So that's one of the administrative pieces I've held onto, but I suck at policy implementation like so badly. It's not because I don't care. It's because my mind is so focused on the big picture. I can't possibly see what's going on in the small scale uh, without completely squirreling. So I just stay up here. Well, that's fine. Stay up here then and bring people in to manage down here with you. 
It doesn't have to be for you. It can be with you. And then you don't feel like, like, I don't mind giving up power. It's not about power to me. It's not about titles for me. It's about the work I do. Mm -hmm. Call me whatever the hell you want. Let me do the work I need to do and that I want to do. But at the end of the day, titles do reflect what you do. So I'm still trying to figure out what am I going to be? I'm the founder. Yeah. But am I community director of community? Like I want to be out there with the people. I'm tired of being behind my computer. I'm just not that guy. Yeah. That's not why you started it. That's the opposite of why you started it. And I got a girl down the hall who is the smartest, kindest, best director of like operations and administration and people like, why haven't, why, 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 why Lisa, why in the world (laughs) would I have thought that by bringing on somebody who was better at certain tasks that I was um, discounting my contribution, like what bullshit, you know, um, narrative have we been taught that we can't ask for help without us being failures. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm just not doing it anymore. I have had some serious come to Jesus moments. You know, I've had some serious meditation times. I've had some serious conversations with my, my, my board and my team and my friends to be like, is this the right call? And every single time they said, you just seem really happy when you talk about finding this, this balance, you seem so happy and free when you talk about working as a team, instead of, instead of feeling like you're, you know, the CEO at the top, that's what I've been told for the last year. When I reached out for support from people, they'd say, yeah, well, it's lonely at the top. I'd say, well, what the fuck? Like, I, <laughs> That's not what I did. Then why am I here? <laughs> I was lonely, so I built Mamas for Mamas, and I was so bloody, you know, wonderfully successful with all these wonderful people helping me that I ended up literally losing what I wanted. The only thing I wanted was connection, and that's the one thing I lost. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming back at it, and I'm just—I didn't lose connection with my team, but I lost connection with them as colleagues. You know, right. I, I became a supervisor. I don't know, man. And, and I get hierarchy is important, but then hire a different supervisor because I'm not that guy. I'm yeah. just not that guy. And I never you need to do be. what you love because it's built on, on love. It's built on that. That's your principle. That's your foundation. Yeah. So that's what I do best. That's what I do well. And so that's the role that I'm moving into is that, you know, the founder role where I get to do this kind of stuff. I get to talk about mamas. I get to do, you know, a rainmaking um, event tomorrow with the university and it's going all over the world. And we're talking about mamas, like spreading the message of how we can be better for each other. That's what I'm all about. Writing policy development things needs to be done. And I'm so excited that we have someone to do that. Um, Because if it was up to me, honestly, I, I would do my best. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and we'll leave it at that you know <laughs> what is your most impactful memory or moment that you've had running this organization oh geez like probably crazy hard to pick one but if you had most to most impactful or your Holy. best memory even you know and and it gets me, it gets me every time because <laughs> um, I never thought it would happen. But when we got this space and we had the first mama walk through the door, I will never, ever forget that. We used to have to set up karma markets. It took us five hours to set up markets so people could come shop. We didn't have a social worker on staff. We didn't have anything like that organized. But Jillian Harris came in and made this place a home for us. 
And she gave us like $71,000 when we had $300 in our bank account. God, I love that woman. Oh, she is like, she doesn't know what she's done. She thinks she does, but she has absolutely no idea the impact she's made because she's given us the ability to keep doing what we do, like to one up ourselves. She taught us how to use social capital as a means of providing for families without having to spend the dollars. Like the, the mentorship has been beyond exceptional. It has been life-changing. Um, but beyond that, it was like, she brought this mom in. This woman was not okay. She was not well. Jillian was coming in with like items for the store and a woman in need. And I just remember thinking like, like come to mama's, you have a place to come now. Like there's actually a place now. It was like, there's nothing that will ever compare to the feeling of feeling like we weren't going anywhere. We were real now mm-hmm. and watch out. <laughs> oh. I, I, that is powerful. And, um, and I just think it's special. And I, and I think that, um, I've, I've gotten a little bit of the, the Jillian Harris magic wand myself in just getting people to know who you are and what you're doing and yeah. building community and having someone in that position saying, Hey, I believe in what you do and telling other people about it when you have such a big reach. And I think that Jill is just a beautiful person for doing that and not recognizing how by her doing one small act of kindness can have a ripple effect. And as you probably know, you almost, as, as someone of the recipient, as a recipient of that, you feel like, okay, now I need to do, I need to do that for someone else. Yes, totally. It's, it's like, um, contagious kindness currency. Yes. (laughs) And And it's it's the best kind. Yes. It's just, there's nothing, there's nothing that feels better than knowing that you have made somebody's day in some, in some way. Mm -hmm. And I'm so lucky. Like I've been blessed with the opportunity to do that multiple times a day. So, you know, if I get to do that for somebody else in some other way, if I can help somebody, there's five or six, you know, amazing people in town here that are all looking to start their own nonprofits. Well, I'm like, Hey, been there, done that. Like, you know, (laughs) lost the sleep. (laughs) Here are my bylaws. Do you want any support around writing yours? Because, you know, these are the pitfalls I experienced and just giving them a hand up in the way that I can which is, you know, this was a really challenging experience for me. It took me three years. It would have taken me one if I'd known this, this, and this. And then they don't need to hire a lawyer to, you know, give them all the advice they should after they see me because I'm not a lawyer Mm -hmm. yet. That's the next plan. But at this point, it's just a matter of like, you know, how can I help? How can I spread this love to, to, to the next person? And, and it just, it replicates and it continues to, uh, duplicate. And everywhere you look, there are people that are helping each other out. And like, we just hired a director of finance and admin for medicine hat and she's not on social media. And she's like, I've been telling everybody about moms for months. Everybody knows you like, what? you're not even here. And it's like, it's cause we're, we're like, um, uh, omnipresent mamas is everywhere you need us to be. And just because we don't have a physical location in Calgary yet, we have funding for Calgary. So their resource coordinators reach out to us for like $500 rental subsidy. We can distribute that to Calgary. Like we have allocated funds ready to go. We've got the modern pure air partnership. 1% of their funds from their local areas goes back to their local areas of mamas for mamas. 
So we have thousands of dollars a month to distribute across Canada to branches that don't have a physical location in the grassroots way. And that'll never change. Like it, it'll never change um, the model of grassroots development because it has to be done that way for it to be a mama's branch. Mm -hmm. Okay. How much money we have in the bank? If we have a hundred thousand dollars to start a new branch, we're not getting an office space and hiring staff first. Your buy-in to running a mama's mama's branch is your sweat equity and your uh, ability to work with other mamas in a way that is truly in the, in line with the kindness currency that we employ. What a beautiful thing that is. It's pretty fabulous. And we've got a crew of like 250 epic volunteers across the country that, you know, can't necessarily donate funds or donate things, but they can donate their time, which allows other people to donate their things and their money so that we can continue building that branch. I mean, Vancouver is a physical location now with a budget of like 500 grand a year. Like they were just, they were just a baby this time last year. They were online only. And, but they did everything the right way. And for the right reasons, their why was on point. They had the right bums on the right seats on the right bus at the right time. And they were collaborative. Every single one of them came to me asking for the other person to get more hours first. First indicator, you got a good team. They're all vouching for each other. They're all trying to look after each other. So we found a way to get them all the hours. Amazing. Because that's, you know, well, they found the money. We found a way to say yes. It's really incredible what can be done when you are, focusing on what you have and what you can share rather than what you need and what you don't have. Yes. So you said already that Vancouver has grown like crazy in the course of one year. Where do you see Mamas for Mamas five years from now? What's your big dream for it? Um, Well, I see at least one physical location in each province by the end of our five-year plan. Um, if not more than that, but one flagship for sure. I see Calgary getting a branch very soon. I see Kitchener Waterloo growing like leaps and bounds. I see them definitely getting a branch. We are still looking for more support in like the prairies. We find that's a bit more of a difficult area to tap into, but I think it's because a lot of community already exists there. I think there's already a little bit of that small town vibe. Maybe I could be wrong. I'm still just spitballing trying to figure out, you know, which communities to invest in time-wise and things like that. But it is absolutely amazing to imagine what could happen in five years when, you know, five years ago, our budget was $50,000 a year. Uh, We're at 1.6 mil, 1.7 million this year um, for all of our branches. And I can say that because it's like, it's on all of our websites. Like we are the most open book when it comes to our finances audits every year because we have to because we're a solicited you know company so it's like it's awesome you, you, there's wow. so much transparency which is something our donors really appreciate too like we're not the type of charity that's like you know oh you know we don't like to talk about numbers <laughs> you know, I'm like no let's talk numbers like you want to know what I get paid I'll tell you what I get paid you want to know you know what the admin rate is we're at 26 percent admin that's very very low you know um, and it's even lower than that, depending on the branches and higher than that, depending on head office and audit time and things like that. But, you know, for 26 cents to go towards administration and the rest to go towards mamas is pretty unheard of. That will change a bit as we continue to grow, because, of course, as we grow, so will our team. Right. And that is only to ensure that we have the support for the mamas who reach out to us who need it. But uh, I, I see us. OK, five years from now, I see us with a 10 million dollar operating budget with a branch in absolutely every province and the territories. And I see us opening in the States um, year six. Yes, girl. 
So yeah, States is tough. It's litigious AF down there. Like if you have one stroller with a broken wheel and someone decides to go after you for it, it'd be a whole thing. Right. Um, Canadian law is quite a bit different. So we're a little bit more protected up here. Um, but we've had so many requests to open branches in the States um, and in South America and in India. Um, wow. But the goal is really, and, and anyone who knows me is going to call me, call bullshit on this, but it's true. I'm slow and steady wins the race going forward. Um, my mom always said, all you need in the world is roots and wings. Well, I've been with my wings now for about five, six years, and I have not come back down and I'm coming back down and I'm putting those roots deep. Good. You know, building out the programs, not building new programs, but taking the ones we have and really making all that evidence-based work strong, building up the funding for it so we can pay our nonprofit staff properly. Um, you know, I believe very much in paying a living wage and paying for benefits and, and treating our staff really well. They are the healers of this community. They're the helpers of this community. And if, and if they fall apart because they're not treated well, what the hell happens to the rest of us? I don't mm -hmm. even want to know. Well, I'll tell you, nothing good comes out of that. So it's a very strong work culture. It's very much mama centric, um, you know, and at the end of the day, we're here for each other as a community, but also as an agency, we are our own little social microcosm of what we want to be for the rest of the world, you know, and that is connected and aligned and just good to each other. Amazing. Are you ready for the wine women and well-being questions now? Yeah, girl. A yeah. A little know. bit of rapid fire situation Love at your it. own pace. Love it. If you could sit down and have a glass of wine with one woman, whether she be living or dead, who would you like to sit down with? My Nana. Hmm. Um, or Michelle Obama. Okay. Michelle Obama is pretty Maybe you can bring two. You can I have two. Her, you know, but I've had a lot of wine with my Nana over the years. I just, one more glass of wine would be nice with my Nana. Yeah. What is your go-to well-being or self-care practice? hot bubble bath with a new book. Love that. My bubble yeah. bath girl myself. Yeah. It's just so good. Your favorite book or podcast recommendation. Oh my God. Okay. Well, untamed is my favorite book right now. Like there's, there's two sides of me. So like the Glenelyn Doyle untamed side of me is like, that is my all time favorite. Um, also Simon Sinek start with why, like those two are like my professional development and personal development. I need to oh, write that one just, down. Start with one. Absolute best. Um, but then also I've been reading or I've been listening to this really epic murder podcast, which is like the other side of me. Um, and it's it's called The Crime Garage. It's oh. hilarious. And there's this one guy and he's just like makes the most random offside comments. <laughs> and you just, <laughs> you got to try it. Okay. Um, but it's called The Murder Garage. The Murder Garage. And the captain, when you, when you hear it, you'll be like, oh my God, the captain, <laughs> he's just, he's very, very entertaining. So I go between like murders and serial killers to like, you know, untaming yourself and Glenelyn Doyle's brilliance and perfect. Yeah. What does sisterhood mean to you? That's a loaded question for you probably. Oh God. Well, I've got, my family has four girls. There's, I have three sisters and we're all 18 months apart. Um, wow. When I hear the word sisterhood, I hear, you know, I hear, you don't give up. You never give up. Uh, when I hear sisterhood, I think of the words my dad said to me right before he passed, which was no matter how hard the headwinds blow, you persevere. And that's what you do for your sisters. And that's what I do for my sisters. Oof. Good. 
And what advice would you give to your 16 year old self? He's not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) Um, I would actually probably say value yourself a lot more than you do because you're pretty freaking special. Amen to that. Yeah. 16 was a tough year, but isn't it for everyone? Mm -hmm. It's a hard age. And I I just think that being a grown up seems so far away at that time. And so, and everything, but so far away. Yes. Everything at 16 feels like the end of the world. And I just wish that like all of us, every woman I talk to, we all wish that we could have like an ounce of the confidence we have now and an ounce of the believing in ourselves, just like pass it on over to our younger self. Totally. Oh yeah. And I mean, part of me had too much outward confidence. I was so ballsy. I got in a lot of trouble. Like I had a little bit of that myself. Yeah. And my mom taught at my school where I got in all the (laughs) trouble, this poor woman, you know, Uh, if if it wasn't for smashing my mom's car into the vice principal's truck before I had my license, um, (laughs) on school grounds on camera, um, it was sneaking out for Bob Marley's birthday and showing up not so on point. And mm-hmm. she's like, what is wrong with like, really? seriously, I just felt like I could get away with it. You know, um, turns out, no, no, you can't. And when your dad's a lawyer, you better get your poop in a group real quick, or you're going to be doing clerking all fricking summer <laughs> lesson learned. Yes. So many lessons to learn along the way. Right. Oh my God. Yes. Number one, be kind to yourself. Yes. Be kind to yourself first. And then the kindness will come to the yes. others. Totally. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Shannon, for being with me today. This was lovely. It was so nice to chat with you. I can't wait to see you in real life sometime when the world allows us to do those kind of things, you know? Yes. Yes. We'll sit down for a a nice glass of crisp white wine. Yes, we will. Thank you so much and keep on fighting the good fight. Thank you so much, Lisa. You too. Okay. Bye. Chat soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, friends. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and recommend us to a friend. Head to winewomenwellbeing.com to find out more about what our community is all about and reach out to us on social media. We'd love to connect. Until next time, stay classy, stay kind.